0: Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson.
1: I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to
0: The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between.
1: We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting.
0: Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. You are
1: getting our live taping. We are right now on screen with some of our biggest fans of the show. We are so excited to be here with them. Um, And we've got some great fans who are also going to actually be joining as part of the live taping. You will hear their voices later on. So please stick around for the entire
0: episode. Just imagine that you're in Madison Square Garden, and you're looking out at all the seats. That's what this is like right now. Just thousands and thousands of people looking at us right now while we record this. Hashtag pod goals. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, as we were getting ready for this, a couple of things came to mind. One, you know it's COVID life (laughs) when there's two things that I did in preparation for today that, um, or for tonight's taping that made it quote unquote special. I knew it was something different than just a big meeting. One, I gargled with mouthwash.
1: Your, Why? Your breath smells amazing from here. Let me I know.
0: I have no idea, but it felt like this warranted that. Two, I'm wearing my engagement ring. It's like, you know, it's going to be fancy if you put your engagement ring on. You're like, all right, we're getting down to business.
1: We're so glad you showed up like that tonight, Brittany. (laughs) As Ingrid said, cheering crowd.
0: Yeah, I know. Where's my soundboard? We'll insert
1: that in post. (laughs) So this is being released the Monday of Christmas, Um, the Monday after Hanukkah ends, the Monday of... Let's see, one more Monday before year end giving is done. It's a big
0: day that this is being released. It's true. It's true. Hopefully, people are on maybe some sort of break. So, maybe, I mean, not everybody, but maybe you're, you know, drinking your coffee, you're at home still, and. (laughs) Real different than last Monday when you (laughs) were at home and maybe not
1: with coffee.
0: Exactly, right? Those days off, they're just same, same, but different.
1: (laughs) I don't know about you all, but right now my living room is just a sea of boxes, both outgoing and incoming. At some point they need to be organized, uh, but the cats are just having a field day. They are loving life. Did
0: you get them all out on time?
1: Most of my outgoing gifts are gone. I have two left that need to be... Postmarked tomorrow so that
0: I have any chance of them getting there in time for Christmas. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, I know I got my gifts from you, which were so wonderful this year. She knows me so well that I am a Hallmark Channel fiend when it comes to the holidays. So I got my mug that says this is my Hallmark holiday movie mug and a, a blanket that matches. So I've been um, using that for pretty much most of the last month. I don't even know what to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) What it says is that, A, you know me, and B, you're embracing me. And so the other gift, I just have to tell everybody about this because it really touched me. She, last night, dropped off my last gift that came in late, and it was a dream decoder. So it's 60 cards that talk about reoccurring dreams, like falling, your teeth falling out. um, You know, those really weird ones and what those mean. And I was, the girls loved it. They have been going through, they're like, mom, one is about murder. And I was like, okay. And, but I was talking to Gabriel about it and I said, this is so not Nia's thing. And the fact that she bought it for me means she sees me.
1: I do. I don't always understand you, but I see you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So in tonight's, or today's, that's so weird because we're recording this at night. It's dark outside, and um, we don't normally do that. So in tonight's episode. It's our second
1: nonprofit reframe after dark.
0: Oh, that's right. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when we first started and I always had to drink rosé in order to get the nerves out. But then we kept recording earlier and earlier and earlier. It and was it like got...
1: 11 on a Monday and you still it's had
0: like meetings to go to. like more and <laughs> more
2: inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whew. Uh, thank goodness. I've gotten a little bit used to doing these recordings by now. And now that it's in the evening, it's wide open. Totally. but. Tonight, we're doing something really interesting, which we do with most of our live tapings, is that we let our audience decide. Can I just
1: say, I love the fact that we can say, well, with most of our live tapings. I mean, we've done so many now. Three. Well, I enjoyed I enjoyed just
0: saying the word audience.
1: <laughs> That's true. We have a live audience, which makes it that much better. Um, and this will be our second one that actually gets released. Which is even better.
0: Let's not talk about the other one. Let's (laughs) not go there. Let's just let that go. So, Brittany, what did our audience decide we're going to be talking about tonight? We gave three choices. I just want to tell the choices because I think it's very fascinating. I agree. One was talking about big philanthropy in 2020. Two was talking about virtual events, which I'm sure we've all gone to a ton of them. And three was talking about 2021 predictions in philanthropy. And they
1: chose that one. Number three. I think it's because our listeners really just want to get us on record now so (laughs) they can go back and point to when we were really wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, part of bringing this up, um, and we were talking about it last night. Brainstorm? Oh, I guess that was this morning. Gosh, time is elusive. It's we not brain-
3: real.
0: It is not. We were brainstorming the different topics, and um, one of the reasons is because of this um, recent what do we want to call it? Like surprise giving from Mackenzie Scott. So let's just do a quick poll of
1: our audience. How many of you got a gift from Mackenzie Scott in the last four months? Ah, yeah, me neither.
0: (laughs) Well, it's going to take some time to see everybody's hand because there's so many people. But it's zero.
1: zero. It's zero. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, Mackenzie Scott is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, former Amazon, you know, person. So she's got a big old stake in Amazon, Multi-billionaire and has been deploying philanthropic dollars like wild this year. Um, yes, she gave 20 million to our local United Way, Mile High United Way, um, but in four months she has deployed over four billion dollars. Pretty amazing. So,
0: I don't know about you, but because I keep seeing it in my news feed from somebody who knows somebody whose organization got money. I feel like it's been the Willy Wonka of big philanthropy gifts this last week. It's like, <laughs> who got the golden ticket? Yes.
1: Well, and it's been interesting, too, just seeing it on social media, kind of the the play-by-play, and Mike is spot on. Uh, so what, the reason I really wanted to talk about 2020 philanthropy is because I wanted to call out the fact that everybody's lauding this massive amount of giving. She hasn't even given away as much as she has earned in the pandemic. Uh. So let's be clear. Yes, it is massive amounts of money. Yes. She is deploying it quickly in a way that we haven't seen philanthropy happen, especially, um, historically. And the fact that this kind of billionaire can even exist is really fucked up. But truth, but there are some bright spots. Uh, I mean, the way that she has gone about doing it is pretty incredible. Um, gotten a team of, of advisors to really look at um, different types, types of giving. Like, she's given a ton to um, Black, Indigenous, people of color-led organizations. Mm-hmm. She's really tried to focus some of her philanthropy and tried to get others on it as well. She's signed the giving pledge, uh, which her former spouse refuses to do. Um, so, I mean, in contrast to him, she's pretty freaking amazing. Um, and there's still, you know, a pretty important critique there of what's happening in, with wealth in America.
0: Yeah. There's still so much work to do. And I think to your point, it's kind of, we're kind of cheating. We're kind of talking about two of the topics. I I wanted to. (laughs) I know. And I mean, it's our podcast. Um, So and but I think we would be remiss not to talk about what happened in twenty twenty before then predicting what's happening in twenty twenty one because I do think that there are some trends that have started this year that have been really positive. And, you know, we were talking about it the other night. I, I really do think, um, and maybe it's just in my little bubble, but I've seen and heard stories anecdotally. We're gonna talk to some of our audience members in a minute. Um but that this push now for DAF holders, for funders, for foundations to distribute more than their annual five percent—that we started to see more of that. And even though there's so much work to be done, just the fact that she has made a sy- sy- systematic process for where she's deciding to give, and she's reaffirming kind of what we've been talking about all year long of. How to research organizations? Look to see who they're serving. Is that representation on their board? Who is their leadership? Um, you know, can we be funding more organizations led by people of color? Because we know that the cards are stacked against them when it comes to grant funding. At least she's starting to do some of those th- those things, and hopefully, people are taking note.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, it she provides an example of better philanthropy. Still not necessarily good, still not necessarily the best, but better. Right. And because of the dollar signs behind her giving, it's being noticed. Um, And I do think, like you said, it it is part of this larger seed change, which gets us into 2021. So we have seen philanthropy start to really shift in big ways, um, partially because folks are having intense conversations with foundations and saying, actually, the way that you've been giving historically doesn't make sense, isn't equitable. um, And- we're starting to see DAFs give more. Um, I just saw a report come out that saw, I want to say it was a two-fold increase in DAF distributions over the last six months.
0: That's awesome. So
1: really, really amazing stuff there. What I'm waiting to see is how much money went into DAFs, though. Uh. That, I think, is going to be quite telling because we know that that has been on the rise over the last three years. Um, and so, I don't know. It feels like as soon as like there's one step forward, there are three back. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we also saw, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot that people love to give to natural disasters, right? And, you know, whether it's a tornado, a hurricane, a flood, you know, whatever. And this year we kind of had like the granddaddy of of all (laughs) disasters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And people really stepped up, right? They stepped up. But I have been really happy to see that they have stepped up again at the end of the year. Yes. Yep.
1: So we've got now preliminary data coming out from Giving Tuesday and Colorado Gives Day, both showing significant increases. Um, And as we discussed in prior episodes, there was this like wait and see. Folks were worried that early pandemic giving was going to deplete year-end giving. And generally speaking, we're actually seeing that has not happened. And people are really, really stepping up. Um, And again, I'm hoping that carries through because we're not done. (laughs) I don't know if you all know this, but we're going to need just as much, if not more, philanthropy next year.
0: Yeah, Shauna's talking about those crisis rage donors, and they always step up, but how do you retain them? How do you retain them? Yes. Yes. And so that's what I think is going to be interesting when we go into January and we start analyzing who gave again at the end of the year. You know, were they the same people that gave mid-year or in April when the whole thing happened and things were shutting down? And then can you retain them into 2021? What do you think? I was going to ask you. (laughs) Oh, see, no, I, that's how, why I'm good, because I put you on the spot. I know, I so appreciate that, every episode. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so from a prediction standpoint, I think if we can maintain the stewardship of donors that we've been seeing this year, especially with things going virtual, organizations finding new ways to reach out and keep donors connected, um, and I think just because things have been changing so quickly that organizations have more to tell. If we can maintain that level of engagement, we will see retention.
0: So I'm going to give everyone a little peek behind the curtain of something that I've been working on and that we're going to be talking about in January. We're going to do a whole series on the donor cycle. And there's one part of the donor cycle that I think a lot of nonprofits either skip or just do appreciate job at. And that's the one that Nia just talked about, which is stewardship. Because... You know, after you've gone through all the time that it takes to identify, cultivate, finally solicit, acknowledge, you're tired. And truth be told, there is not a lot of uh, stewardship activities that I've found um, work across the board. I've done so many different like, donor appreciation events and nobody shows up, that sort of thing. But I do <laughs> think that that is the critical step, Um so the funny part about it is that my father in law gave a speech at my wedding and it's very short, and all he said was, never stop romancing. And that's what I considered stewardship to be. So once if you're you know, once you've gotten the gift and you've thanked them, you gotta continue to engage them, and you're absolutely right, Nia. I do think that this virtual environment lends itself Believe it or not, to more opportunities for that engagement. Yeah, I think I know you're it doesn't right. seem like that always because you're like, "What are you talking about? I can't go get coffee or whatnot." But just like this, having everybody here on a Zoom call, and I know we're all tired of Zoom calls, but I have seen more pro- more nonprofits step into a um, like an educational place or a place of service to their communities and offering different webinars or speaker panels on different topics. And that's a great way to engage donors.
1: Well, I think that goes from it being transactional, like we're doing the work come give us money to it really being this community focus. We need you donors to be just as excited, engaged and interested in the work we're doing. So you can also be out there advocating for it. And as we're continuing to do more of the, these opportunities as we're continuing to see more of these opportunities for education, it means that they are just brought in that much closer. And so, yeah, I think actually that will continue into 2021. I think one of the biggest threats is organizations being like, okay, we're vaccinated. Let's go back to how it was before. And that's where we're going to see, you know, things really start to shift or break down. I mean, we've seen donor retention nationwide is not great. And if we go back to it being just transactional, we're going to see those those new donors we've brought in leave.
0: Well, look, it's like you're going to get all three topics here. It's like we fooled you, and we're actually going to talk about all three of them, because <laughs> I think that's such a good point, particularly around events. Um, we've, you know, I've been talking to different vendors that are, you know, working with nonprofits on their events, and there's this FOMO, these You know, nonprofits who have an event, let's say in April or May, and they're scared to make the decision to have it virtual, because what if other people, what if it's possible to have it in person by then? It's not. What if it's possible to have it in person by then? And um, we don't, and somebody else does. Mm -hmm. And- I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous because even if everybody got vaccinated, I think it's going to be a really long time. Here's my prediction for 2021. Um, I think it's going to be a really long time before 300 people feel comfortable being jammed into a ballroom together.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I think I know I've said this before on the pod, but again, in this prediction space, I think organizations that recognize this and start adopting hybrid approaches early are going to be the ones that are most successful. So even when we are all vaccinated, there are some folks who aren't going to be feel comfortable or who can't access an in-person event in, in ways that we've always created them. So this also provides us an opportunity to really find ways to keep people involved, keep them engaged. It's more work. I'm not not downplaying that whatsoever <laughs> to nonprofits. Creating hybrid spaces is definitely more work, but hopefully the reward is there because donors are able to engage, your constituents are able to engage. It just, it it breaks down so many of those barriers that we've created as a sector.
0: Yeah. And you know, you and I were discussing this the other day about what, you know, what have we been forced into in 2020 that maybe has a silver lining and will carry through to 21. And I think that that's true. I mean, I don't know how many different trainings I have attended in my career on the un-gala or how to not have a gala or not another rubber chicken dinner or whatever. And yet, and we know, cause we've talked about it, how galas or excuse me, galas um, are most of the time not in line with the values of the organization, but yet we're just too scared to change it or do anything different. And here we were forced to think outside of the box in 2020, and we incorporated some things that were different than we would have ever done before. Mm -hmm. And some of them were really successful. And I think it has shown us, 2020 has shown us, that there is another way. And so what I'm predicting for 2021 is a lot like what you're saying about this hybrid, is how are we going to kind of fuse the past and what we did in the past with what we were forced to do in 2020, and maybe create something completely new that hopefully is better aligned with our values.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think this is interesting, and I'm seeing some pieces of the chat about it too. Um, you know, one of the, the things that happened early in the pandemic um, was a real uptick in adoption of technology by organizations. And this was kind of across the board, this wasn't just in the fundraising space. Uh, I mean, folks were figuring out how to do telehealth with their mental health patients. Folks were figuring out how to even just collaborate uh, with, with all their staff working from home. So we saw organizations be forced to adopt technology, their boards forced to approve budgets to actually buy the technology they need. And I'm really hoping that actually allows organizations to be more effective going forward um, and hopefully also drives the continued adoption of technology. Um, Again, this goes beyond the the fundraising space. It allows us to engage in new and different ways. It allows for additional accessibility sometimes that we we don't often have in the ways we've done things historically.
0: You know, Cindy is saying, and I totally agree with her because I'm going through this right now because I am planning a virtual event, about how a hybrid model could also be more expensive. Like you're saying, you're paying for the technology and there's some technologies that are better in a virtual format, some that you use in an in-person format. Right now, I'm planning my gala, it's going to be virtual, and I'm trying to decide, is it worth even having an auction and paying for auction software if it's not going to be in person, and do I really want to be talking to businesses about donating gift certificates anyways? No, not when they're all going out of business or struggling to keep their doors open. So I get that. I know that there's, no, there's not an easy answer, and I think it's going to be different for each organization and each event, but what I'm hoping it does... And this is my hope (laughs) is that it helps, for lack of a better word, train our donors in how they are giving their money to us. And that maybe that by providing more direct asks, that that will be suffice rather than the pomp and circumstance of an event. So you're saying no more rubber chickens? Uh, I don't know. I've got one foot in, one foot out, and that's it. We've been indoctrinated into this scarcity mindset, right? I mean, it's still um, a big fundraiser, so it's evolving. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh, so many
1: great discussions. We've got peanut butter. We've got the Holy Roman Empire. Our chat is wild right now. Folks, get in on this. Um, yes, we are excited to bring our gala dresses back out. I cataloged mine a few weeks ago. I officially have 12 blue dresses. I don't know
0: why. Um, you sent me a picture of them. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you said, why the hell do I have the same dress 12 times?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, but I want to shift a little bit, um, before we let some of our audience yeah, members What they
0: have to say. So
1: the last prediction I want to give is about boards.
0: My
4: favorite. (laughs) Bring it.
1: So this year we've seen a really interesting reliance on boards in order to to shift our fundraising. Um, You know, a lot of organizations looking to their boards and saying, "We are so strapped. We our staff is already run ragged. We need you to step up. We need your help." Um, and we've seen kind of varying degrees of success with that. (laughs) I mean, we've, yeah. Okay. So boards aren't great fundraisers. We know that.
0: (laughs) Um, didn't we just talk about this the other day and we said if we could crack that nut, we would be gajillionaires. That's what Nia and I are going to work on. Yes. Um,
1: so we have not yet cracked that nut, but not yet. I am foreseeing, I'm hopeful that we're going to see board members be able to step into some of these supportive roles in fundraising. So for so long, we've seen this this real push. Board members need to be out making asks. They need to be bringing in big donors. And first off, that often means that we're recruiting the same kind of board members who often aren't actually serving us all that well. And most people are really uncomfortable in that space. (laughs) So if we can find these other ways to engage board members in stewardship, in donor acknowledgements, in bringing their folks in that doesn't require a rubber chicken dinner, we could actually see our board members feel good about fundraising and actually be successful about it. It's these big ask pushes. You know, If you're gonna join our board, you gotta be out there asking for five, 10, $50,000 that we see be really, it, it creates a lot of fear for board members. It makes them feel like they they can't be successful. But again, we know fundraising is this much larger picture that we have to keep engaging our board members in so that they can feel successful in fundraising and actually be part of the success.
0: I hear you. And I agree with you 100%. And I'm going to be total devil's advocate and say the only way that is going to happen is if there is some level of accountability. And and it, and it can't come from the staff, right? So... How do we impart that on um, the board chairs out there or on the governance committees out there? Because I think you're absolutely right, Um, but there's no way that they're actually going to do it unless they're held accountable to do it.
1: Well, and since we've told these lovely people that we're going to be done by eight, I'm just going to write that down for future discussion (laughs) because we're never going to get out of here. I mean, it's a good point and a huge topic.
0: Yeah, exactly. You'll hear more about that. Yes. I promise.
1: Okay. I think this is a great opportunity for us to hear from our studio audience here on Zoom. We have three lovely volunteers who have agreed to add their voice to this episode So um, I'm going to go in the order that you raise your hands. Marjorie, would you like to start us off and share with our listeners whatever you would like to?
4: Sure. So hi, first of all. Hi. Um, (laughs) I guess, so am I making a prediction? Is that what?
1: Yes, please.
4: Okay. That's what I'm doing. Um, Fix that in post, please. Um, So (laughs) my my prediction for, for next year is... Is and it's a hope, maybe more than a prediction, is that corporate philanthropy will get off the events train too. Because Ooh. I think one of the big reasons that I think we have our events is to get the sponsor dollars. I mean, I know that I tell my board, I tell my volunteers, you know, it's really the sponsorships that make the money, and that's where the corporate money, at least in my town, is coming from. Um, and I, I know that's not super unique. So if the corporations can get off the event train. That will let us get off the event train, which would be just, just the most magical thing could be, that could happen because <laughs> <I> honestly, like <laughs> we're seeing better impressions and stuff um, for, in for their marketing, but by doing our online events and, and by actually counting those sorts of impressions. So that's my hope. That's my prediction.
1: Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much, Marjorie. Yeah. That's such a great point. Gosh.
0: Let's make that happen, folks, right here, right now. (laughs) All of you CEOs out there of Fortune 500 companies, please take note. I hope they listen to this podcast. They definitely do. It's in their Monday rotations. I
1: thought so. (laughs) Kimberly, would you like to impart your wisdom on us next?
2: I would. I am really encouraged about what's going to happen next year. Um, I'm in a unique position of working for a nonprofit, having come from the human service industry. I'm now working for a performing arts nonprofit that's also a venue. So I'm really hopeful that those businesses still want to gather and have events in a venue because I think people really want to gather. We are so hungry for face to face interaction. And I think that the virtual space. Um, Is always going to be important, but these hybrid events are not going away. So I think we need to prepare for that. I was super encouraged to learn that all of the nonprofits that I love and support really had um, a high turnaround, a high uh, dollar raised on Colorado Gives Day, which just shows me that people are super committed to the nonprofits that they loved because they're giving. Um, One thing, though, that I agree with that was talked about earlier is that. You know, telling stories is always going to be important. And one thing um, that rang true for us uh, in the nonprofit that I work for is we started telling stories about our team. You know, it was the humans of the organization that I work for. And we shared videos with our uh, constituents and shared those stories. And our giving was actually higher this year than in previous years. So people are paying attention. They're listening. They're hungry for a connection. They're passionate about these causes that are are close and dear to us. So I think we're going to have events. I think the fire hose is going to turn on in quarter three and they're going to be happening in person, but they're also going to be virtual. I don't imagine 500 people are going to be in the same space, but I do think that people are going to want to connect. They're going to want to support their nonprofits. And I feel super encouraged and excited about this next year.
0: Those are some really great points. I mean, first of all, the art sector, holy cow. I mean, my heart just goes out to all of the arts um, organizations out there because I know they have taken such a big hit this year. And I think when I try to predict a year from now, um, this year I went and saw a concert in my car at a drive-in movie theater. I never in a million years would have thought that I would have done that and that that would be a highlight from the year and the only concert that I went to the entire year. (laughs) So what get ready to drink. What we have learned from this year is that we are resilient drink and who knows what these events are going to look like. I'm actually really excited um, because you're right, there's some amazing venues out there. There's, um, I do think people are looking for connection, and hungry to gather, um, as long as they can, you know, do it in a safe way. And so it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what is put together in order to achieve that. So I was actually
1: at a holiday Zoom happy hour right before this, um, and I was thinking about the the pieces about in person that I really miss. Um, And it's, you know, when, when they do these online things, you know, they, they use the breakout rooms so that you can connect, but you can't choose your breakout room. Like, I want to talk to this person. I haven't seen them in months. I want to talk to them, but I'm I'm stuck over here talking to this guy who I was in like three meetings with today already. So I'm looking forward to connecting with the people who I choose to. (laughs) (laughs) but also in meaningful ways.
0: But there's a certain power in that, that I must say, I love, I feel like, I mean, not to brag, but, um, I've become pretty bomb at these virtual events. And I know I called you last night, like super stoked because I put one on for my department and I was like, I killed it. Oh my gosh. They loved it. They probably got off there and were like, Oh my gosh, that was the lamest thing. But, um, but I love doing that. I love putting people in breakout rooms together that I'm like, mm, this will be interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. So in the chat,
1: I have to agree with this one. It is really nice to not have to get a bunch of white elephant gifts and then also to bring them home and be like, what do I do with this thing? I, I can never get rid of it right away. It's like, it has to be in my home for at least three months before I can be like, it, it can move on now. Why? Why? That is the dumbest thing. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what I'm missing though, is when our vendors send us holiday stuff, because we have one vendor that used to send us that, um, oh gosh, you're going to, somebody's going to know what I'm talking about. It's like a, um, like a peanut brittle, um, oh my God, what are you talking about? It's, you know what I'm talking about, Alex, because I would take that and I would pull it into my office and I would hoard that shit and just like eat as much as I could I didn't share any of it awful absolutely awful
1: okay we have one more audience member who would like to join in on the predictions
3: Marty what you got for us I thought it was coming to a tv show but I guess the podcast is nice (laughs) um I um I I I voted for this when you gave us the choices in our in our poll and I think predicting is always fun. And I was on the call last year when you predicted the pandemic. So, Brittany, thanks for reminding me. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. We were able to plan (laughs) accordingly. So I really appreciate (laughs) it. Um, In thinking about 2021 and in building a budget to go into 2021, Uh, I thought about the fact that the foundation money. So we had a good year. And part of it was because foundations really stepped up around the pandemic for us. Um, but I think that money's going to fall off. You know, we heard recently from the state that they don't know that they're going to do any more funding from the state COVID fund, um, which we did, we received one round, but didn't in two and three, but that fund may be depleted. Um, and so I think there'll be a, I don't think we're going to see that foundation money next year. I think that the federal government is going to step forward and we'll see some relief for nonprofits and hopefully um, performing arts um, will be something that the Biden administration will appreciate and know that we need to keep um, going, even though they haven't been able to sell tickets. So I'm hoping that there'll be some relief from the federal government that will surprise us. Um, But I really think, and I've thought this forever, and I think it's still true, whether we're in a pandemic year or not, that individual giving is the key. Um, and I've watched many a nonprofit go out of business because they focused on grants or fundraising or, uh, or events or found a, uh, foundations and, or even major gifts. And the key is really having a solid base. Um, and to Nia's point that understand what you're doing, um, and to keep them engaged throughout. So I see individual giving going up and, you know, we're not on the list of, uh, of the woman who gave all the money to Mile High United Way, but Josie is looking for her address and we are headed to California if that's what it takes. (laughs) Um, But I I see those and my hope, um, my hope is that Colorado Gives Day gets away from Giving Tuesday Yes. And that's my hope. It's not a prediction. Hallelujah. But I'm hoping that they'll kind of move somewhere else, maybe like August where nobody gives a dime. Yes. Um, some month where we really need that. So there's my predictions. And it's I, I love you all. And this is a great podcast. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. <laughs> thanks, Marty. Oh,
0: thanks, Marty. We may not be a TV show, but maybe we're a step up from a call in radio show. Maybe. So maybe just a little bit. Those are such great points. Again, maybe we should have more people in our podcast. I don't know. This makes it a little bit easier. Um, we could do a, like
1: a monthly call-in show.
0: I love. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. I was about to digress about something I saw with a call-in show on um, Big Bang Theory, but I'm not going to do it because we're going to keep going. We have a live audience. and But what I want to say is I think you're exactly right. There is so much unknown about what kind of support we're going to get from a federal level and when you talk about budgeting for 21 i just have to laugh right because mm-hmm. it's like what the fuck is that we have no idea we have no idea and um you know some of us were fortunate enough to maybe get the ppp grant this year that really helped um i don't know uh fill the void that we were experiencing in 2020 but if we don't get that in 21 Um, It's going to catch up to us. So it is about the individual donor. It is about that stewardship that we were talking about. And it is going back to what Marjorie or someone said about, um, can we retain these donors that came forward at the beginning? Because as much as 2021 might be um, considered the year that we cured coronavirus. I don't know. I almost hate to even say that out loud. Um, it's still going to be a pandemic pandemic year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I,
1: I think that's so smart too. I mean, right now, we, we don't even know if the federal government will be operational when this episode drops Monday, let's be clear, because we still don't have a spending bill. So yeah, there is so much unknown and so much we have zero control over. But we do have access to our donors, their emails, and so let's keep them involved, engaged. Let's keep them stewarded. Let's make sure our community knows what's going on and is ready to step up when we need them.
0: I'm dying at the chat right now about five-year strategic plans and about boards that are still trying to follow them. It's so true, and it drives me crazy. Can we just, like, let go of the reins a little bit and recognize that we have no idea what the hell is going to happen? Yeah. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox now.
1: Well, this could easily be a three-hour episode. Um, Let's wrap this because um, the folks here get a special Q&A that is not going to be aired. So, sorry, listeners. Should have signed up. Maybe next time we do a live taping, you will. So... In the meantime, feel free to email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. We continue to monitor that. Love the stories you send us. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Nonprofit Reframe.
0: And this is coming out next week, which is a full week before the end of the year. That means you have a full week to still make a gift. There is still time. You can get that tax credit. Do it now. And if you have capacity, please give and give generously. Thanks, folks.
1: We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at
4: jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.